If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates. This week, we're talking about Dick. Grayson. Yes. The man, the myth, the legend. Mm-hmm. My name is Becca, and f*** Batman. <laughs> My name is Josh, and I want a car. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. <laughs> so yeah, we are going to do a little series over the next couple of weeks all about the different Robins, although, of course, only Dick Grayson was around in the Silver Age. But we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about some other great Robins throughout history. Yeah, we'll find ways to work them in, I'm sure. Yeah. We are a couple, and we love each other, and we met through talking about Batman, and that's why we make this podcast about Batman. <laughs> and the, the silly stuff that he did during the late 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. So we should get into some news. Yes, let's let's get into some news. My first item here is that uh, this was appearing in my Google News feed a lot. Margot Robbie has said in an interview with Den of Geek that she regularly pushes for Poison Ivy to be in the movies. Mm-hmm. She wants to work with an actress that can portray Poison Ivy because she likes the character and her interactions with Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. As I'm assuming Margot Robbie also wants to play Harley Quinn. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, here's the other thing is she's not just like the actress is that she's also executive producer for a lot of the Mm -hmm. projects. Like I know she was one of the producers of Birds of Prey. Yeah, she had a big hand in Birds of Prey. And I really like that movie. It's great. It is. It's a really good movie. And a lot of people slept on it because it released like right when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people didn't get out to theaters to actually see it. Get on HBO Max, watch Birds of Prey, thank me later. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fun time, especially if you like silly comic stuff like we cover on this podcast. Yeah. Um, wonderful. I So did she say specifically she would want Ivy to be in the movies so that they could have a romantic relationship? Or did she just sort of like leave that as a between the lines kind of thing? No, she just said that she thinks that the character is fun and she wants to have her portray uh, her Harley Quinn with a Poison Ivy. She'd really like to explore the relationship between the two, but not necessarily romantically. She didn't mm-hmm. hint at it like that. Okay. As far as I know. Okay. Did you want me to tell you my thoughts on who should play Ivy? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do, because you're better with celebrity names than I am. Yes. I like to think of myself as an armchair casting director in my own right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, so I didn't want to just do a list of, like, redheads. So the only redhead I put on this list was Emma Stone. So who... most of the people on this list are going to be wearing wigs. <laughs> yes. Or um, you can dye your hair. I guess so. That's a yeah. thing. Or where they make really good wigs. Nowadays. I know. I understand. Yeah. You know, uh, actually Emma Stone, isn't she wearing a wig for the Cruella DeVille movie that she's in? Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we know she can play evil. Cruella DeVille, the Cruella movie that's coming out soon looks great. Um, I am going to just go ahead and quote uh, John Lovett from uh the Pod Save America and Love It or Leave It podcasts, he has already seen the movie in like an advanced screening. Oh, yeah. And he's like, not only will you understand why a woman, after watching Cruella, why a woman would want to make a coat out, out of, of 100 puppies, out of 99 puppies, 
you will kind of agree with her. <laughs> so apparently it's a really good movie and Emma Stone does a great job. I just always think she does a fantastic job. She always brings her A-game. Oh, yeah. And my thoughts on La La Land aside, it wasn't <laughs> her fault. Um, I think she just has a wonderful way of uh, connecting with audiences and connecting with these quirky characters. And she is also a redhead, so... That would there be we great go. That's an A+. Plus. That's, That's an... one less thing that the uh, hair and makeup department has to do. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to include some women on this list who were either lesbians or bisexual, uh, okay. just for representation's sake, and because I think that's a great push in Hollywood for uh, people in, in those groups to be telling their own stories. Uh-huh. So if they are going to do some sort of romantic relationship between uh, Harley and Ivy, it would be a great idea to maybe cast a woman who loves women. Uh, so I put Kate McKinnon on this list. Okay, now this is an interesting choice. Okay. Because I've never seen Kate McKinnon do serious okay i have in in what what has she been serious in well it was it's a little it's a little bit of everything performance with her she was in that movie about the guy who who runs fox news oh okay she was in that bombshell that's right that's right yeah and yeah her character in there is kind of like the quirky like office lesbian who doesn't want to let anybody at fox news know that she's gay that's the thing is like i've only ever seen her play a quirky character and Poison Ivy is more of a cool, smooth, casual, like, romantically, like, sexually prowess, whereas Kate McKinnon, I feel, plays a kind of a confidence, but not a sexual confidence. All right. Yes. However, (laughs) consider this. Mm -hmm. Kate McKinnon is the best actress who's been on SNL in decades. She can do... But anything she's, because she's a great comedian and she's always down for it i understand that and that's because she's a great comedian she's i great. i think i don't i don't agree with this casting decision move on to your I, next one i think she'd be great uh next on the list is megan fox who is okay. bisexual uh megan fox has played bad guys in jennifer's body uh okay. she's got that sex appeal that we would want she from does. poison ivy she does and she's also extremely smart i want somebody who's gonna play poison ivy as like really smart conniving super evil but in a way that like you really agree with them. okay now the only thing that i've seen that i remember that had megan fox in it is like the transformers movie yes. and i feel like her character is pretty flat in that i blame michael bay okay, okay. <laughs> for that That's and fine. so does she <laughs> he really just wanted her to stand there and look pretty okay the whole time but she's been in a lot of great stuff watch jennifer's body that's like an iconic role for her she's a fantastic villain in that okay who's next on your list Uh, next on my list also a bisexual actress anna paquin who was sookie in true blood she was rogue in the x-men movies okay 20 years ago uh she's a great actress 20 years ago yeah she's a great actress she's the right age to play like you know an age-appropriate poison ivy for margot robbie's uh Harley, I, I feel. And Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and older. Sure. Um, and I really like Anna Paquin. I always thought she was really fantastic in True Blood. And I really like this uh, thing we see in the past couple of years of like people who played superheroes like 10 or 20 years ago getting to like play superheroes again because hmm. it doesn't matter. So I think that'd be cool to see her as like, oh, she was rogue and now she's Poison Ivy. That's okay. cool. And she has an, She is one of the youngest Oscar winners ever. She was like... Actually, did she win the Oscar for the piano? I don't know. She either was one of the youngest winners or youngest nominees for like Best Actress. Okay. Uh, yeah, she was like nine when she was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, so she's wonderful. 
And I think she would do a really, really fantastic job. Because she's a great actress. Is there anyone else on your list? Yes, one more. Uh, and maybe it's just because I've been binge-watching The Handmaid's Tale, <laughs> and it's my favorite thing that's ever happened. But I think Elizabeth Moss would be an amazing Poison Ivy. Okay. Uh, she plays a terrorist very well. I absolutely believe that she could... Poison Ivy is an eco-terrorist. ...could and would do whatever it takes to right wrongs. Um, and she's... She's in the movie Us, where she plays both, like, a regular, relatively good person and also the evil version of herself. And, like, Mm. in the scenes where she's playing the evil version of herself, she looks like she is having just the best time. It's it's a a very short scene, but it's really good. Um, And I would just love to see her be evil more. Okay. She's great. Interesting. Side note, she's a Scientologist. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And isn't it weird? She's a Scientologist, and she's in this move. She's in this like show about like a uh, crazy religious cult that's trying to oppress people. I don't want to get our show canceled <laughs> by Scientologists. So I don't want to get say our, any single thing. I don't want to get our show canceled by Tom Cruise. He's already canceled the Golden Globes this week. <laughs> Did you hear about that? No. Tom Cruise gave back his Golden Globe awards. Oh yeah, you know what? I did hear about that. Yeah, I maybe didn't didn't connect in my head that it was Tom Cruise. Yeah, it was Tom Cruise. It. He okay. has standards. Okay. You know what? I like Tom Cruise. Is that is that that's all your picks for Poison those, Ivy? Those are all my picks. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is, Moss is my number one. Okay. And also her name's Moss. Like <laughs> it's plants in the name. She was destined. She was destined. Elizabeth Moss, get at me. Call, have your agent just call me. I'll Why give, would her agent call you and not Warner Brothers? I'll give you a number. <laughs> what number are you going to give her? It, hang on, like, uh, like uh, I don't know, 575 so I can afford right now. <laughs> She'll work for scale. Uh, I'm moving on with news. Okay, go ahead. So, James Gunn must have heard your pleas. Mm. Because Suicide Squad's release date ah! has been pushed up. Yes! I knew he was podcast in the united kingdom oh god damn it james (laughs) so yes james gunn has announced that in the united kingdom the suicide squad will release on july 30th but the united states is still receiving it on august 6th that's such bull i hate it that's dumb (laughs) i'm angry Okay, and the last piece of news, I just figured we'd set aside a little bit of time to talk about Justice Society World War II, which came out a couple of weeks ago. We sort of missed it. Yeah, we forgot. We were like counting down, and then I think like Pokemon Snap released, and we're like, ah, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, and we we had a busy last couple of weeks. I'm having a busy month, (laughs) (sighs) y'all. But anyway, so we watched it today mm-hmm. and uh let's talk about our thoughts about it i enjoyed it yeah i thought it was really great it's in the same continuity as superman man of tomorrow mm-hmm. which is like the reboot of dc's animated movie universe yeah uh the animation i didn't really like at first and then it kind of grew on me yeah uh, yeah it's just this weird kind of like choppy cheap looking animation that I don't really like all that much. It's It's interesting. It reminds me of the style that they went with for like the New Frontier movie. And everything is like a little boxy and it looks like like cell shaded. Mm -hmm. uh, Like a like video game cell shaded or whatever. Yeah. Um, Which I think helps it because it makes the the stuff that's being done like CGI or whatever doesn't stand out Mm -hmm. against the the hand drawn things. Yeah. 
Um, the performances were good. Yeah. Uh, Darren Chris is this uh, ver- this universe's Superman, uh, this animated universe's Superman. I think he's doing a great job. Yeah. I think Matt uh, Bomer was the Flash. An interesting portrayal of the Flash, just you know, very quirky, silly guy. Yeah. Um, the I pointed this out to Josh that the animated universe seems to be aligning with. It seems like all of the Justice League properties are kind of aligning on this idea that, like, hey, uh, Iris is black now. Get used to it. <laughs> and I, I like that they're all kind of like they're they're all in on it. Well, and you said that that originated in the Flash show. Right? Yeah, the Flash CW show. I believe was the first version that had a black Iris West. And then obviously we know Kiersey Clemens was uh, cast as Iris in both the Zack Snyder's Justice League movie. And she's going to come back in the Flash movie that's coming up. And then this version also had a black Iris West and she was in a couple scenes in the framing device. Even though they haven't shown her. They haven't shown her before. No. Yeah. In, or in the comics, I'm saying. Oh yeah. No, in the comics, she's still white, but yeah. I could change. It could. I mean, they're changing continuity all the time. DC is. Why not? So yeah, love it. Love the representation. I thought that it had some interesting twists. There was like a couple of times in the movie where I was legitimately surprised by what had happened. Um, which is which is interesting and hard to do in a superhero movie. I think I was I was angry at myself that I didn't see one of the twists coming. Really, I think you know which one. The one where I like yelled like right at the end. <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much, but I I really thought a character was gonna make it, and then they just didn't. <laughs> I was like, I knew I should have seen that coming, but oh. <laughs> Yeah. Why does it hurt so bad? Yeah, so that's a that's a yeah, one of the cool twists is that you realize that like the Flash isn't exactly where he thinks he is, and so after that point it kind of gives them license to go crazy with yeah. with the characters. Do whatever they want. And and so there's a lot of carnage in like the last act. Yeah. <laughs> so but but definitely worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And it, it shines a light on some of those like golden age heroes that you don't really hear a whole lot about like our man uh and yeah and hawkman i liked it yeah i liked it too and dino was in it it gets a it gets a thumbs up from the batmates thumbs up from the batmates we love black canary go go and see it go see it so are we going to talk about the comic now yeah Let's, let's move on to our silver age comic so let's get into it so this comic actually is a comic that we did review a couple of weeks back in our Spinner episode, uh, but we are doing the next story in the same comic book. Yeah, this is this still, is... go back, dig out your copy of Batman 189 from a couple weeks ago when we did the Spinner. 129. Oh, sorry. Go back and dig out your copy of Batman 129 from a couple weeks back and uh, just flip Flip past that spinner story. Eagle-eared listeners will remember? Eagle-eyed listeners? Yeah, eagle, eagle-eared. eagle Okay. I'm sure they got good hearing their birds. So it's a, it's the same writers, pencilers, uh, Bill Finger as writer, Sheldon Moldova penciler, Charles Paris as inker, uh, and Stan Starkman as letterer. Great. So I guess I'm going to call this a half cover, the, the it, top of it. It's like the teaser, yeah. story teaser. The the man from Robin's past yeah. is the title of the story. It's really wild. I desperately want to know why this man is dressed like Tarzan. <laughs> and I want to know how he's ripping through a steel door with an anchor. Yeah. So my interest is piqued, to say the least. It's definitely, yeah, I have a great teaser panel of strongman bursting through a metal door with an anchor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love it. 
So we begin with the dynamic duo chasing two suspected jewelry thieves into a circus. A natural place to hide with your loot. Yes. Do love that. Uh, Robin notices a billboard advertising Sando the Strongman, a character from his previous life as a circus acrobat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the suspected jewel thieves then emerge from Sando's tent, where Robin delivers a swift kick to the jaw to one, and Batman crushes the other with a giant balancing ball. Uh after Robin delivers a swift kick after jumping on a trampoline that is sort of like inexplicably just in the middle of the circus fairway. Well, you know, they got practice. And also, uh, I have another comment. Uh, This is a visual thing that the listeners can't see. Why is he so red? Well, okay, that's that's a coloring issue. But I'm talking about the ball. The ball in this changes. It has a big star on it, but like I guess it's hard to draw a star on a round surface because <laughs> it morphs over the panels it does. to like not even being star shaped by the by the second panel. I love that. <laughs> it's hard to draw, you know. I know it, it really it's is. it's difficult to draw. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sheldon Moldov. Yeah. While trying to apprehend the suspects, one of the circus's tigers escapes from her cage. Yeah, because one of the 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 mobsters shoots the lock with his gun. Yeah, it's like great. a freak accident. Uh huh. <laughs> and it, it's uh, topical, right? Escape tigers. That's happening in Texas right now. <laughs> Is that what it was? I thought a man just escaped with a tiger. There was an. Es- I saw a story about an escaped tiger. I think that was the same story I read. It was like. I don't remember what the crime was. I'm not going to go look it up. But it was like, he like robbed something and he escaped. And also he left with a tiger. Yeah. he's As we discussed on the previous episode, cat people are insane. Big cat people. Big cat people are insane. It's okay to have little boys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like me. Um, All right. So yeah, one of the circus's tigers escapes her cage and Batman boldly tries to force it back with a chair. Uh Uh-huh. But our heroes seem hopeless until Sando the Strongman appears and puts the tiger back in her cage like a naughty kitty. Robin tries to fend this thing off with what seems to be a wooden dowel. Yeah. It's the weakest thing he could find. snaps it with her claws. Yeah, it snaps in half. But yeah, then it looks like Sando just like picks her up by the scruff of her neck. Yeah, Sando the Strongman. Get back in there. Just throws her in a cage. Good job. Good job. So Batman then finds a stray diamond in Sando's tent. And when questioned, the strongman says that he has nothing to say. He pleads the fifth. He does. Sando is then arrested without any evidence and put (laughs) behind bars. I mean, the evidence is is the jewel that they found. Yeah, but it's pretty obvious that those jewel thieves like planted it there, right? He could be a part of the conspiracy. Okay. If... If Batman burst into our apartment right now, uh-huh. God, I wish, and he was like, whoa, I found this diamond hidden behind your desk. What do you have to say? I could truthfully be like, I don't know how that got there. There's a lot of stuff behind my desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I truly have no idea how that stolen diamond got there. I am telling you the truth, Batman. Would he be able to throw me behind bars I'm, the just because police- it was... Found in my apartment? The police are allowed to bring you in for questioning for like 24 hours or something, aren't they? Not for 24 hours. Unless they're going to charge you with a crime. Okay, listen up, kids. Unless they're <laughs> going to charge you with a crime, they are not allowed to hold you there. How and long are they allowed to hold you? Because they are allowed to hold you for questioning. 
I think it's like, you know, some like reasonable time. Oh, so it's a, it's and, an ambiguous amount of time. Yeah. You can be detained and you've got to make sure to ask if you're being detained. <laughs> no, don't if ask. you're not being detained, you are free to go. Um, and also that you don't have to talk to the police without your lawyer present. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, no, know your rights. Yes. Know your rights. Mm-hmm. But also if a cop's just like stopping you to be like, hey, you were going too fast. Don't be like, am I being detained? Because yeah, you are. You were speeding. And and don't like, <laughs> yeah, don't don't be antagonistic, especially if they're asking like simple questions. Like if they're like, where are you going or whatever? Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to answer it, but it's going to make the conversation go a lot easier yeah. if you just be like, I'm going to work. They're just asking that for the one in the million person who's going to be like, I'm fleeing a crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because maybe it'll happen. They want you to act don't shifty. Don't ask, you don't get. Don't ask shift. Don't act shifty. Don't act and, shifty. And you'll likely just let, be let off with a warning. Yes. Anyway, enough talking about cops. <laughs> um, Batman laments that Sando is refusing to talk to the cops, like we just told you to not do. <laughs> um, or any, he's also not talking to Batman and Robin either. But Robin thinks that he might open up to his old pal, Dick Grayson. And Dick enters Sando's cell in plain clothes, and the two reminisce about playing tug of war at the circus. It's it's so cute that it these is. carnies are playing together. <laughs> I don't think you can say carny anymore. I Why? think that's a derogatory term. Is it? They work at a carnival. Carnies. They work at a fair. I know wrestlers don't like it when you call them carnies. Well, no, he's not a wrestler. He's a strong man. Okay. <laughs> I think they prefer. He's a literal spectacle. <laughs> I think they prefer circus entertainment. Okay. Alternative Cir- entertainers. Circus entertainers. Fine. Yes. I, I love that these circus entertainers are hanging around and having fun with each other. Yeah, me too. Uh, Robin is sadly reminded of how his days as a member of the Flying Graysons came to a tragic end when his parents fell to their deaths while performing. Uh, Batman worked the case and discovered that Mr. Halley, the owner of the circus, had refused to pay protection money to some racketeers and in retaliation they applied acid to the trapeze ropes. Mm-hmm. Bad way to go. Yeah. Like. Doing your job. Right? Not only only a a scary way to go, but an embarrassing way to go. Yeah. Like all these people paid money to watch me perform death defying acts and they are not going to see me defy death today. (laughs) Unfortunately, the one in a million times it's not going to happen. I think the worst thing is, is having your son there. Yeah. So to witness it. That'd be, that's bad too. Do you remember, uh, last... It wasn't last Christmas. It was the Christmas before when we went to Six Flags Christmas in the Park. Mm-hmm. And we saw that one, like, acrobat show. Oh, yeah? I really thought that man was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> the one with, like, the balancing act. Okay. That was the scariest thing I've ever seen. Why? I, he just, it didn't seem stable. He's a trained professional. I know, but, like, he must have amazing core strength. Well, yeah, he's an acrobat. I'm just saying... I really like acrobats. I love what they do. Uh, really stresses me out to see them do stuff that could get them killed. <laughs> Very spooky. This man was, I guess I should describe it for the listeners. Yes. Was he balancing on top of a ball or was it like two like rolling It was, thingies? yeah, it was like tin cans or whatever, yeah. but they were, you know, like a foot across or, yeah. or something. He was balancing on two tin cans on like a board and then he just kept adding like levels to the board until he was like... 10 feet up in the air yeah. on like a tiny, tiny little one just balancing back and forth. It was, oh man, it was insane. <laughs> we gotta go again. We gotta go. I bet it's open this year. It's possible. It's they, possible. They get different acts different years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Flying Grayson's dead acid. Hate that. Never one to let a good opportunity slip by him. 
Batman opens up to Dick about his own parents' death and agrees to adopt the boy and train him as a sidekick. Mm -hmm. And that's the origin of Robin. And that's really beautiful that we get that. And I really like this panel of him like running away from the moon. (laughs) Being like, yeah, Robin, the boy, wonder. Time for adventure. Crime fighting young daredevil who needs parents. He's excited. (laughs) (laughs) So back in the present, Dick asks Sando about his son, Andy, uh, to which Sando panics and says he must be kept out of this. And sensing a lead, Batman and Robin go to Midville, where Andy goes to college, and also where the diamond robbery initially took place. Uh, Batman showing up to a college campus in broad daylight yes. and interrogating people is the is one of the weirdest things we've got. Co- I know we've covered a lot of weird things in this, mm-hmm. but the mental image and the the physical image on, on the on the comic page of Batman again in broad daylight showing up to a college campus and just talking to a bunch of college kids is so weird to me. <laughs> I feel like he shows up in broad daylight all the time, though. I mean, he does, yeah, at like police events like and charity events and for the stuff. Kids and stuff. No, that was as Bruce Wayne. Oh, was it? It was Bruce Wayne? Wayne that was handing out ice cream. I see. I see. He, he bought the ice cream truck with his money. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine him going up to them and being like, "Hey, have you? Do you know where the dorms are?" <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking for for a child. <laughs> I'm looking for a child. Can you help me? Well, he's looking for, I guess, a an. A, like an 18-year-old kid, a 19-year-old yeah. kid. It works. Some boys tell the heroes that they can probably find Andy at the Green Anchor, a nightclub owned by a well-known gangster. Mm-hmm. Very normal place for a boy like him to be hanging out. And at the nightclub, Andy confronts the gangsters, accusing them of planting the diamonds in Sando's tent and causing him to be unfairly jailed. Batman and Robin arrive in time to overhear these accusations, and they make a move to protect Andy from the gangsters. Mm. Well, so he says, like, you did this to get my father involved, but he'll protect you guys because he thinks I'm the one that's involved. Yeah. Which means that he thinks that his father thinks that he's a criminal. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I mean... Why did Andy become friends with these guys? Why does he hang out at this nightclub? Why does he hang out at this gangster nightclub? And then he was like, hey, why don't you come see my dad at the circus? Maybe there's some smoking chicks at this nightclub. It doesn't seem like there. It's empty right now. (laughs) Well, it's not nighttime. It's the middle of the day. It's not nighttime. Some smoking fish at this club. There's fish all over the walls. I love it. (laughs) What a terrible themed bar. And the the chairs are seashells and there's fountains. You know what? Who who, who drew this? Uh, Sheldon Maldon? Yeah, Sheldon Maldon. He did the most with these panels. There's sails. There's like masts. (laughs) He did not need to go all out for literally one prop that's coming up in a few panels it's it's the most it's i mean everything in gotham is the most themed there's nothing in gotham that's like this is modestly themed everything in gotham is you know go all out absolutely in insane theming remember the time that batman and robin showed up at like a nightclub that was themed to like cowboys or whatever and there was giant wagons and stuff yes lassos all over the place i do remember great Uh, As the fighting ensues, one gangster shoots at the titular green anchor, sending it (laughs) crashing down and nearly hitting the dynamic duo. The gangsters then use the distraction to grab Andy and escape through a big steel door. Babin and Robin lament there isn't any way for them to get through. However, like a charging bull and still for some reason dressed like Tarzan, (laughs) here comes Sando with the steel anchor. True to his word, Sando tears the door with ease and explains to his son as he slaps around the goons, 
that he's actually out on bail. Yeah, he, he made the right decision. You know, it's good that they let him out on bail. He's not a f- flight risk. What's he going to do? Run away and join the circus? Exactly. You're exactly right on that. <laughs> uh, so Sando just, I love this, like, it's kind of an embarrassing panel. He just, like, hands over one of these gangsters to Batman, like, oh, here you go. Yeah. I've got this one for you. Just up by the back of his, the back of his shirt. Yeah. Uh, and the gangster explains that without any evidence, Sando is still the only person here who can't be cleared. Uh, but Batman just figures that this means the diamonds were already taken to a fence. Mm-hmm. And he does like uh, an unwarranted search and seizure on this gangster. <laughs> and he finds a mysterious note that says 21959 will have cash for merchandise today. Mysterious numbers and letters. Mm. We cut to the chase and see Batman barging in on the fence, a man named Limey Lou, in the process of selling the diamonds. Limey Lou also exclaims, huh? Them again? Which implies that he's had run-ins with Batman and Robin before. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's like, as I suspected, it was Limey Lou all along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robin throws a tire around one of the... Uh, criminals. Yeah, what the heck kind of warehouse is this that they have, like, a loose tire, I see three typewriters sitting there. Oh, it's a it's a fence. And, like, a coat rack. This is all stuff he's fencing. There, who stole three typewriters? Maybe it's from the typewriter museum. We've definitely <laughs> seen someone steal typewriters before. Okay. <laughs> I definitely know that's true. Were typewriters a hot ticket item to, like, resell in yeah. the late 50s? It's like selling, it's like selling an iPhone today. Is it? It's the latest model. I guess. Yeah, it's useful. I know it's useful. You can write the next great American but novel on it. I don't see a lot of like business equipment resold. Mostly because people buy that kind of stuff usually in large batches. Yeah, but it's good to have one for home. I guess so. For... Is there really a black market for typewriters? Yeah, maybe. Good ones. Okay. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Ask, uh, ask, what's his name? Um, Tom Hanks. He wrote a, he has like a whole blog about typewriters. Really? He's a big typewriter guy. I didn't know that. I want to say he wrote a book about typewriters, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. It might just Maybe be Maybe he wrote like a book on typewriter. A website. In a typewriter. On a typewriter. With a typewriter. <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard to type. Have you ever typed on a typewriter before? No, I haven't. It's really, really hard. Um, I once did, uh, You have to press the keys down really hard, right? Yeah. Well, I once did, uh, Misha Collins's, uh, like, what do you call it? Scavenger hunt. The, the Gishwiz, greatest international scavenger hunt the world has ever seen. Oh, okay. Some of our listeners might know what it is. Uh, it's basically, it's a list of, like, dumb, difficult things that you have to do. Okay. And one of them was to, like, write out your manifesto on a typewriter. (laughs) And so... Somebody else on my team actually like wrote it and then I was tasked with actually getting it because I actually had access to a typewriter for some reason. It was when I was at theater school Okay, we had like a prop typewriter. But it worked. Yeah. But it took me like, it was like two paragraphs and it took me like three hours to type it just because I, it was, I had so many mistakes and it was so difficult to like erase things and like go back and get like the white out. It was difficult. Oh man. I, if I was not born in the 21st century, I... Probably would be dead by now. <laughs> Just from how incompetent I would be. I feel. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a soft 21st century man. Woman. Person. <laughs> Great. Um, I didn't even get to the pun. Okay. 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 So Robin throws a tire around this man. Yes, yes. And then Batman says, I bet his legs are too tired now. 
And then Robin has the audacity to make fun of him for that pun. <laughs> He's like, you're always about me and on me about my puns. Now you get to make a pun? Ridiculous. Batman also rolls this man. After he's in a tire, he rolls this man across the floor. I know. <laughs> tripping everybody else. Crazy. What a power play. So Limey Lou asks how Batman knew that he was the fence. And mm-hmm. Batman just points out to him that Americans don't write the date in day, month, year format like he did on that note. Yeah. Uh, but British people do. Foils and, by the day, month, year format. Yeah. And he's the only British person Batman knows who's a fence. So yeah. he's like, yeah, you know, it was either you or Penguin. So <laughs> I just figured it was probably you because Penguin's got better things to do. Batman's also uh, really lucky that it wasn't a month that was, or a day that was close to the number of the month that it right? was. Because yeah. how would he ever know that it was swapped? Well, I mean, he'd be like, well, it's not January, so... Or January already passed. Why would he still have this on his pocket in September? But I'm saying, like, you know, it's it's if it's dated September, if the date, if the day was like the tenth or whatever, and it said like ten nine, or even if it was like the ninth, it was like nine nine. How would he know? Yeah. How would he know that it was backwards? Well, he wouldn't have. He's he's lucky. He got he all, lucked out. It's all luck. Yep, that's one of Batman. We've discussed this. Batman. One of Batman's superpowers is luck. He's very lucky. <laughs> Well, Sando thanks Batman for clearing his name with an extremely painful handshake, and all is right with the world. Yeah. Oh, I did a little research about this whole day, month, year thing. Yeah. I was like, why do Americans do month, day, year? Sing the song. What? Sing the song. Come over here. Oh, into my corner. It's Josh's fact corner. Yay. You haven't been singing the song recently. You've just been like, here's some facts. This is just a mini fact corner. Uh, No one seems to know why the U.S. uses month day rather than day month format. The British use the month day format when it's like written out on newspapers and periodicals and stuff. So it'll be, you know, June the 4th. What's the difference between a newspaper and a periodical? Good question. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I don't have a good answer for you. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't, but they, they don't do it on lists in the simplified format with like numbers. So they only ever do it in lists with the simplified number version. They've only ever done it month or day, month, year, Mm -hmm. but some, for some reason around like the civil war era, America was just like, yeah, sure. We'll put a month, day, year in numbers and there's no explanation or reason that I could find. And I did, I looked for a good, like, half hour to see if I could find something. Yeah. I mean, I get the reasoning that, like, the rest of the world does day, month, year. It's, like, small, small to large. Small to large, yeah. But I think it definitely makes more sense in my brain to be like, yeah, it's September 21st. Yeah. Not, it's the 21st of September. Mm-hmm. Or you can go with the far superior one that like Japan and China uses and that computer programs use and go year, month, day. And then that way, every file that you have, if you sort it alphabetically, is in chronological order. So you do year, month, day, and then you can even go even further. You can go uh, hour, minute, and even get stuff down to the chronological that way. Wow. That was the end of my mini fact corner. So let's move on to Bat Family Matters. Yeah. Bat okay. Family Matters. Yeah, we don't have a song for this, do we? I don't know. What's the theme song for Family Matters? I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> but we're going over Dick Grayson, the very first Robin, the OG, created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Richard Grayson was introduced in Detective Comics number 38 in April of 1940, and his appearance and name are inspired by Robin Hood. Oh. 
And he was introduced into the comics to bring younger readers into Batman. Mm -hmm. So, born to John and Mary Grayson, Richard Dick Grayson joined his parents in the Trapeze Act in Halley Circus. Dick overheard the conversation that Tony Zucco's men, the mobster, had uh, with Mr. Halley, where Mr. Halley was refusing to pay protection money to them, and he knew it was them who had sabotaged the ropes that his parents fell from to their deaths. Mm -hmm. Um, Batman consoles the boy, but urges him not to go to the police because they're corrupt and in cahoots with Tony Zucco. Oh my god. Uh, Seeing a kindred spirit in Dick, Batman trains him in boxing, jujitsu, and criminology, and helps him track down Tony Zuko and bring him justice. In the comic that we just read, he their little montage has him training him in judo throws. Yeah. And he even has this little thing where he's like, that's it, Dick, that's how you take down a gunman. <laughs> yeah. And so now I know, too. You you use their, uh, their momentum Wait. against them, yeah. yeah. It's worth noting that in this, in, ba- in Detective Comics number 38, the first appearance, that <laughs> Robin... 100% kills a guy <laughs> in his first appearance. This is like classic Golden Age stuff where it's just like people die off screen and, and nobody even bats an eye. Because there's there's a man who... Robin is like hanging from a, a beam, like a girder, mm-hmm. on a, a skyscraper that's under construction. And the man is trying to like step on Robin's... Uh, fingers to get him to fall off but robin swings his legs up around and like kicks the guy off the girder and the man plummets to his death ow (laughs) yeah uh also worth noting that in this first appearance because i i read through this whole thing batman mails a live bat to tony zucko (laughs) ew (laughs) he he, he, like, mails in this box, and the bat flies out, and then there's a note also in the box. The, the like, symbol of the bat on the note wasn't enough to sell that it was from Batman. He had to send mm-hmm. a live bat with it. Trust me, this is Batman. For real. <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to scare criminals, too. It's yeah. like, <gasps> you know? Oh, yeah. no, a bat popped out. It's it's crazy. You ever seen a bat, though? They're cute. Yeah, kind of. I think they're cute. I, they're, it's a little disconcerting when they, like, fly past you. So I can see, like, opening up a box and having a bat, like, burst forth from it would be a little scary. I would just be like, how are you breathing in there? Uh, it's not, it was an airtight box. And he sent it, um, I think the comic said something about, like, uh, express mail or something. So it wasn't in the box for very long. Even so, okay. <laughs> anyway. To move forward in his in his adventures, in 1945, that we get a comic that sort of retcons that explains that Dick uh, had to prove to Bruce that he should continue as Robin after he caught Tony Zucco because Batman wanted to know that like he wanted to fight crime in general and it wasn't just like the anger of his parents' death that was fueling him. Yeah. Um, and he does so when some criminals kidnap Batman and Robin is able to help like free him. Mm-hmm. So after Robin's first appearance in 1940, uh, Dick Grayson very rarely is excluded from adventures with Batman. So pretty much every single comic that has Batman in it also has Robin in it, which led to an interesting thing happening because he also gets solo stories in the Star Spangled Comics anthology series, which means that he gets more comic appearances in the Golden Age than Batman himself. Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> by like number of issues, Robin appears in more comics than Batman does. I mean, I guess if you're bringing him in to sell the comics more to kids. Yeah, and you, you know s- and you're selling solo adventures with just him, mm-hmm. and every single time that Batman shows up, he also shows up. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Exactly. Uh, during the Golden Age, he fought Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, Clayface, Hugo Strange, Two-Face, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and Nazi spies. Oh, my favorite Batman villain. <laughs> In 1944, there's a story where Dick's uncle George Grayson and his wife Clara come to Gotham and win custody of him in court after George touts Bruce Wayne's playboy activities as making him an unfit guardian. However, this is a ruse to extort Bruce for a million dollars. That's like a, that's like the plot of Annie. Is it really? Yeah. That they steal, what do they steal Annie and they, they let, well in that one, they pretend to be her parents. Oh, okay. In order to steal her away from daddy Warbucks. Although I, I don't know, there's probably extortion in there somewhere. Cause he, daddy Warbucks is a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, uncle George works with a mobster to keep Batman from making him confess to this extortion because Batman basically shows up at their house and is like, I heard that you were extorting Bruce Wayne for money. Uh, you better write a confession. And they're like, sure, Batman, we will. And then they go to a mobster and they're like, Hey, can you help us kill Batman? (laughs) So they actually end up capturing Batman and trapping him in a air compression chamber to kill him. But with Alfred's help, Robin uh, is able to free him and save him. And the George and Clara, his uncle and aunt, are kicked out of Gotham. Good. But Robin, Dick Grayson, refuses to press charges against them. Mm. So they don't actually go to jail. They just get kicked out of Gotham. So is Aunt Harriet, like, related to George somehow? Or they're, is they're, that... So George is Dick's father's brother okay and aunt harriet is dick's mother's sister wow <laughs> i bet he has a lot of cousins yeah maybe well no because aunt harriet is like a spinster or something right she mm. like doesn't find a man mm. um and in this comic it isn't shown that george and clara have any children Aww. they they seem to fight in the comic like mm. they're they're sort of the conniving relatives that also like don't get along <laughs> mm. sad yeah So I I don't think he has any cousins. Hmm. Not yet. Some other interesting facts, and this is all like Golden Age slash Silver Age stuff. Um, In like, I guess, middle school, Dick falls for a girl named Marjorie Davenport. And in a like my own worst enemy Spider-Man kind of fashion, she falls for Robin instead of him. Oh no, that happens all the time in these stories. <laughs> in like though, superhero comics, where like Selena's in love with Batman, but not Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne yeah. Or I feel like one of my favorites is like Lois is in love with Clark, but she's not in love with Superman. <laughs> and like Superman's always trying to hit on her, but she's like, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> It's the other way around in the Superman movies. Is it? Yeah. Where she's like, oh, what a dreamboat Superman is. But she sees Clark as just sort of like, you know, he's a co-worker. He's kind of this pathetic, pathetic boy from Kansas. I love it. <laughs> Can you tell the listeners about the uh, Superman comic you were reading earlier that you were telling me about? I, I will okay. later. <laughs> okay. It's so cute. 
Yeah, also another interesting fact, Bruce and Dick allow Professor Carter Nichols multiple times throughout the comics uh, to send them back in time. Hmm. At first it's hypnotically, and then at some point he gets like a time machine and actually sends them back in time Love it. to interact with historical things. And this started in 1944 and continued into the late 50s. There's like multiple adventures, at least 10 of these, where they like either get hypnotized into thinking they're going back in time or actually get sent back in time. Any particular time periods that they go back in time to? Um, I know one of them is they go back and they interact with like the three musketeers. I think that's one of the ones where they get hypnotized. Um, I think they go back to Babylonian times. I'm pretty sure they go back to the Roman era. There's like a lot of just sort of like, well, this would make for fun set pieces. (laughs) Okay. I'm about to ask a really stupid question. Okay. I'm ready. The three musketeers is fictional yes so how could they go back in time well, they go back to whatever it was like 16th century france or something mm, okay and again this was a this was this was one of the ones where they were hypnotized okay so it was a so it's like a wishbone situation where it's not like they're going back in time they're going into the book exactly Love Pre- it. pretty much pretty much god we gotta do a wishbone podcast <laughs> that show is so good what's the story wishbone what what a theme song. What a main character. What? It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. That dog was well trained, too. That's all, she was beautiful. <laughs> beautiful girl. Oh, man. I love Wishbone. Oh, get a Jack Russell Terrier. No, don't. Don't do that. They're very misbehaved dogs. <laughs> but um, they're cute, though. Get one if you can put in a lot of time and energy to it. Yes. Yes. I'm going to move on with uh, Dick Grayson's history. <laughs> all right. I'll be sitting here thinking about Wishbone. <laughs> So, so all of that stuff that I said sort of brings us up to the Bronze Age. Um, you know, he, he fought villains alongside Batman. There's not really a whole lot of, like, extra stuff that was going on in his life. He was just, you know, fighting crime, having a good time, making puns, doing all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, up until 1964, where he founded the Teen Titans along with Aqualad and Kid Flash. Mm-hmm. And then later they would add uh, Wonder Girl and Speedy, who is Green Arrow's sidekick. Yes. Confusingly, not the Flash's sidekick. No. Despite the name. <laughs> so yeah, in 1964, formed the Teen Titans. They went and fought crimes in their own issues of, of comics. Was there a storyline where Wally West gets trapped in the Speed Force? I as, don't think as so. As he is wont to do. <laughs> No. In in 1969, Dick graduates from high school and attends Hudson University. And the separation of Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne was done as like a conscious effort by the writers to try and bring Batman back to its darker roots. So they thought that by separating him from the boy Wonder, they could explore, you know, darker stories. It wouldn't have to have like a kid hanging around making puns. Mm -hmm. So this was in in the 70s, you know, 69 into the 70s. So he dates two girls in college named Lori and Jennifer. Boo. Both relationships end with Lori dumping him because he's not around very much because he's bouncing his schoolwork and being in the Teen Titans and trying to have a relationship, which is just too much for him. Yeah. And actually, eventually, he drops out of college because he can't keep up with his schoolwork. Do you know what was he studying? Do you know what his major was? I, I don't know what his major was. Probably criminology. <laughs> Could be. Trash. 
so amazing. throughout the 70s robin would team up with barbara gordon and was flirty with her yeah. at some point he moved down to dc to help her out with a case she came up to hudson university and helped him out with a case um and he also worked with batman throughout the 70s every once in a while he'd come back and team up with batman in late 1980, he dropped out of college, like I was telling you, and returns to Gotham. And he joins Batman, who is not happy about the fact that Dick Grayson, that Dick Grayson dropped out of college. And he also, so Dick leaves because he's suspicious that Talia al Ghul, who is Ra's al Ghul, Batman's enemy's daughter, mm -hmm. is hanging around Batman. And Robin thinks, Dick Grayson thinks, that Talia al Ghul has, like, ulterior motives. Obviously. <laughs> Which she, yeah, she, she does, pretty yes. much. <laughs> Beloved. And during this time when he's, like, leaving because of Talia, he actually goes and teams up with a Catwoman who is reformed. Ooh. And they go out and solve crime together. Fun. Yeah. He also joins the new Teen Titans, which is the Teen Titans that I think most people know. It has Raven, Beast Boy, Star Cyborg, Starfire, and Wonder Girl. And uh, he also joins another circus, resumes his studies at Gotham University after having moved back to Gotham, and relinquishes the mantle of Robin uh, right around the time that Jason Todd comes into the picture to become Robin. So he realizes that Batman has a sidekick. Batman's sidekick should be Robin, so he relinquishes the title of Robin and uh, gives it up to Jason Todd, who, in the issue where he's granted the Robin title, is immediately beaten to a pulp by Crazy Quilt. Of all villains, Crazy Quilt is the one that beats up Jason Todd because Crazy Quilt is mad at the original Robin and he thinks that Jason Todd is the original Robin. Oh, man. Jason has the worst luck. And and Batman basically thinks that like Jason is dead at the end of that issue. <laughs> he's, he's not. Foreshadowing. Yeah, but he Jason Todd had it rough from the very beginning. Poor Jason. Yeah. Uh, Dick eventually lands on a new name for himself so he can rejoin the Teen Titans as a leader that's separate from Batman. And the name that he comes up with is Nightwing, which is based on a moniker that Superman took when he shrunk and visited the city of Kandor, which itself is based on Batman. <laughs> okay. So I read this comic just because I was like, okay, so where does the Nightwing moniker come from? Superman shrinks down in size to go into Kandor to convince the people of Kandor not to get blown back up to regular size because it would like end up disintegrating them or something. Okay. But they don't like Superman and they don't want to hear what he has to say. So they drive him out of town and they send, and this is the thing that I told you, which was absolutely wild. They send a... Uh, hounds after him but instead of scent hounds they're like telepathic hounds that can read minds mm -hmm. and they're sensing his like mind wave okay <laughs> oh i should also mention that he's with jimmy olsen also in this adventure love it <laughs> so superman and jimmy olsen think really hard in their mind's eye about going back into the city which throws the hounds off their scent they realize that they need to like take on new identities so nobody recognizes them and they're like oh we could be like batman and robin and they're like but there are no bats in on krypton so we have to be something that's different so we have to be nightwing and i think it's like firebird or something <laughs> which is what jimmy olsen gets 
Because of his hair. And they, yeah, they dress up in costumes that are sort of reminiscent of Batman and Robin in order to be superheroes on Candor. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. So anyway, Dick Grayson chooses this name because Superman chose it a long time ago, but also Superman based it off of Batman. Mm-hmm. And that happens in 1984, which means that the Crisis on Infinite Earth was just a year away. Um, so all of this sort of gets reset and, and reworked in the post-crisis continuity where his origin story is similar. Dick Grayson is still a circus. His parents die on the trapeze. But in this version, he is placed in juvenile services because social services was full. And he later gets sent to a Catholic orphanage where Bruce adopts him as a ward because... Dick Grayson does not want to be Bruce Wayne to be his father because he still very much loves his father. He doesn't want Bruce Wayne to like replace him as mm-hmm. a father. And in this continuity, instead of Batman like sharing his secret and training Robin, Dick sneaks out and investigates his parents' murder with, with Batman saying that he doesn't want him to do that. But he finds Batman, who's also on the case out in the field, and then Batman saves him from a mobster that like almost kills him. And when he does this and he's like working on him in the in the Batcave, he reveals his identity and then, you know, the rest is sort of the same where I wish here's how I wish it goes. Okay. Is that he's like keeps his mask on. Dick doesn't know how they got there to the Batcave. He's just like giving him surgery right there. And he's like, all right. Kid, you're all you're all patched up here. Come on upstairs. And he just like leads him out of the bat cave, and he's like, "Ha! This is my mansion. Guess what? It was me <laughs> all along." <laughs> That's probably not how it goes. No, That's how I would have done it. They, they confide in each other. You know, again, he sees a kindred soul. He you know he understands what it's like to be orphaned and want justice. Uh, also in this continuity. Batman bars him from continuing as a sidekick after he is shot by the Joker. Oh my god. Um, And this is what causes him to part with Batman and take on the Nightwing moniker. And he continues fighting crime with the Titans. And he also eventually in this continuity buys Halley's Circus, Hmm. which is like fallen on hard times. Following Batman having his back broken by Bane... Dick takes up the mantle of the Batman in the Nightfall storyline in 1993. Mm-hmm. And he does the same thing later in the Batman Reborn storyline that happens in 2009. That's the Battle of the Cowl thingy? Yeah, yeah. So so Dick Grayson has been Batman twice, at least. He, he also may have put on the suit a couple more times. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a couple storylines in Rebirth recently yeah where i want to say like batman it it was either like like bruce needed to be seen somewhere okay but like there was also a case to work at the same time and like so you see both of them in the same place at the same time and then later like back in the bat cave it's revealed that like it was dick Mm -hmm. it's like thanks for coming back into town dick really yeah but 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 in in the nightfall storyline and in the 2009 batman reborn he's actually operating as batman yeah and takes on in the nightfall storyline takes on jason or not jason todd tim drake as his robin and then in the 2009 series he takes on damian wayne as his robin the best duo In 1996, 
Dick moves to Bloodhaven after seeing that it is in need of a hero, just like Gotham is. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get the Nightwing operates out of Bloodhaven. And the only thing that I could find that was like significantly different about his New 52 origin is that in the New 52, he's picked by the Court of Owls to become the next Talon, which is like the Court of Owls assassin that Mm -hmm. they use. Um, But he escapes this fate after his parents' death and departure from the circus. Because he leaves and is adopted by Bruce, they don't take him on as the as Talon anymore. Yeah. That's weird. It, it kind of uh, merges in, in the Court of Owls movie that mm-hmm. the DCAU released. They kind of give that storyline to Damien. Yeah. And, like, merge it with this, like, Damien doesn't trust his dad. <laughs> yeah, so that's all I have to say about, like, a dick in mainline continuity. Mm-hmm. I have some other trivia about him. Ooh. So, Earth 2 Dick Grayson is shown to have the middle initial M in a 1986 retcon. Mm-hmm. So, this is Earth 2 Golden Age... Um, in 1986... Richard Mary Grace. I don't know what the M stands for. Yeah. Uh, so, but his mainline continuity... Richard murdered parents Grayson. <laughs> Those are my two guesses. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. And, and this is just, like, he's not even in that comic. It's a gravestone with his name on it. Okay. It, but anyway, in the mainline continuity, his middle name is John, which is the same as his father's first name. That makes sense. Uh, he has three different birthdays. Okay. Four if you count Young Justice. And I do. So November 11th is his pre-crisis birthday. Scorpio. October 24th is his post-crisis birthday. Libra? And March 20th is his post-zero hour birthday. I don't know that one. Okay, and Earth-16 Dick Grayson, which is Young Justice continuity, has a birthday of December 1st. Mm. Do you know what that one is? Sagittarius? (laughs) I don't know. I only know Scorpio and Libra because that's us. (laughs) I like to think of him as a Scorpio. Okay. Do you think he has more my energy or your energy? I think he has a lot more of my energy. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I disagree. High energy? Cracking jokes? I'm not high energy. No, that's true. I'm pretty high energy. Anyway, I did want to do it. laying back in my comfy chair right now. A sidebar, because this is the first time that I think we've ever mentioned a zero hour on the podcast. Yeah. So if you're confused, zero hour is like a whole different thing than all the crises and reboots and stuff that happened. It was sort of like a soft reboot. Is it different from zero year? I think zero year might have followed zero hour. Okay. So zero hour is a whole different thing. In 1994, it resets the timeline with a new Big Bang, but it takes place in the same universe as post-crisis. So there's like some big interstellar conflict that's going on, and like the Green Lantern is fighting somebody who's trying to take over the timeline, and it ends up basically just creating a new Big Bang, and everything sort of plays out similar to the way that it had, but they use it as an excuse to, like, reset some stuff, fix some continuity errors that have, like, popped up. Okay. So that's what Zero Hour is. In regards to Batman, Zero Hour erased Joe Chill as the assailant of his parents, uh, so he doesn't know who the assailant of his parents is, and portrayed him as an urban legend rather than, like, a well-known hero. Wow. That's what Zero Hour did for Batman's continuity. 
So let's get into like the weird Dick Grayson stuff. Okay. In Amalgam Comics, Dick Grayson as Nightwing and Moon Knight oh. combine to become a hero called Moonwing. Moon Knight is a Marvel character. Yeah. So yeah. the Amalgam Universe is like the Marvel heroes and the DC heroes and the Marvel like locations and organizations and the DC locations and organizations merge okay. into like one sort of mega universe. Great. So this this Moonwing is like a combination Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Moon Knight character mm -hmm. who's like an agent of Shield and stuff. Cool. But but does stuff in like this mixed Marvel DC universe. It's really cool that they are able to do these crossovers they every once in a while. Should call them Night Moon, those cowards. <laughs> Nighty Night Batman. <laughs> Or just, uh, night. <laughs> you could call him Night Night. <laughs> night with an N and Night with a K. They could have called him Night Night. They should have called him Night Night. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Those cowards. Uh, Stan Lee better be rolling in his grave. <laughs> We've already covered the Nightwing the New Order story on this podcast where he has a son that develops superpowers and then he's like part of a task force that's part of depowering people and that creates a lot of conflict. And that son, actually, I don't think I mentioned, is uh, his son that he had with um, Starfire. Okay. So. Boo. <laughs> In the most recent Batman Beyond run... Dick is the mayor of Bloodhaven and has a daughter named Elena who becomes Batwoman despite her father's warnings against becoming a crime fighter. Who's her Who's her mother? I don't know that they ever say. Oh. It's not Barbara Gordon. I know that much Ew. because Barbara Gordon has a <laughs> like a, a husband or something in Batman Beyond. Mm. Um, also, Dick is killed by Damian Wayne in the Injustice universe. Love to see it. <laughs> He stays on Batman's side while Damien joins Superman's, like, totalitarian regime. Mm. And that's it. That's all the extra information I have about Dick Grayson. I hope that wasn't a, too much of an information overload. No, it was fun. I loved it. Okay. I, I really like hearing about all of the different ways that he's changed over the years. Yeah. He, he's an interesting character, especially, the, like, when he becomes Nightwing and takes on sort of his own role as a crime fighter. Yeah. But he's still sort of you know, very directly tied to Batman, very integral to, you know, if Batman needs help, he'll swing by Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> I think out of all of the Robins, and we'll we'll kind of talk about this as, as the weeks progress, I think he's the most loyal to Batman. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's the one who kind of understands him the most. And as someone who's known him the longest and been his partner and his friend the longest, he's mm -hmm. the one who's always like, no, listen, guys, I know Bruce is crazy, but, like, you got to understand, he's smarter than all of us combined. <laughs> you do kind of just have to trust him on most things, even if it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And it's frustrating when he doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, the other thing is that because Dick Grayson was an acrobat and trained from a very young age, he has that sort of determination, stick-to-it-ness that... Bruce Wayne had as, you know, training from a child. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, some of the other Robins didn't get to be Robins until they were in their teenage yeah. years. And some of them started out as either street thugs or uh, born to be assassins. Yeah. Which is a difficult life to Exactly. Come from. I mean, actually, most of them, right? Because yeah. 
Jason Todd is like a kid that he picks up off the street. Yeah. Um, Stephanie Stephanie Brown is like the daughter of spoiler of of Clue Master. Yeah, Clue Master. Yeah. She's she's a villain's daughter. But she's always been good. Yeah, that's true. We do like Stephanie on this podcast. (laughs) She's Uh, a complicated father relationship. Yeah. And then wasn't it uh, Tim Drake is the one who found the Batcave? Yeah, he's the one who like deduces Batman's identity. Yeah, I love that. And then Damien's mom is Talia al Ghul. Yeah, I mean, Damien's just Batman's straight up Batman's son. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> love him. All right. So I'm sure that all of you have seen a lot of Robins throughout the years in television and movies. Yes. And we're going to talk about those. Yes, we have. So Burt Ward portrayed Dick Grayson in the Batman television show on ABC. That wasn't the first portrayal. The first one is in the serials, right? The yeah. Live action. Yes. I didn't say it was the first. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the serials. If you want to watch them, they're on YouTube. Don't do it. Watch the Rift Tracks uh, best of compilations. Yeah. They're, they're the best way to watch those. The The serials are quite long, they're like multiple parts. Yeah. I want to say ranging up into like the tens. Yeah. There's like 13 parts of them. Well, and they're serials. They're all like an hour long. It's it's way too much to watch. And uh, they're also like kind of racist. Pretty racist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very true. So Burt Ward portrayed Dick Grayson in the Batman television show on ABC, uh, as well as the Batman 1966 movie. He also voiced Robin in cameos on The Simpsons and in two animated films released in 2016 and 2017. And he's probably the Robin that most people would think of as like the live action Robin, just because of how big of a hit the 60s television show was. Yeah, I mean, unless they were born in like the 90s and only ever knew the Batman and Robin movie. Yeah. For his role, the 19-year-old actor was paid SAG minimum wage and did most of his own stunts because it was cheaper than hiring a stunt double. Oh. Well, to be fair, the stunts in Batman 66 were, uh, amounted to basically like pretending to get hit because you didn't need to make contact because they would just put a big pow across the screen. He did do... Apparently a lot. Really? Because uh, he was, well, he was told that the reason they couldn't hire a stunt double was because his costume revealed too much of his face Mm. to use a stunt double. However, Adam West used a stunt double. uh, Well, he has a cowl. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And apparently during the production of the show, uh, Burt Ward was injured dozens of times (laughs) in the show's filming and had to go to the emergency room a lot. Back when protections weren't as strict. Yeah, and he was being paid Screen Actors Guild minimum for this. That's absolute garbage. (laughs) Yes. Some other fun facts. Uh, In 1966, Ward worked with producer Frank Zappa to record and release a couple of musical tracks. One spoken word song titled Boy Wonder I Love You. And the B-side, an extremely off-key version of Orange Colored Sky. (laughs) We listened to both of these. I... Highly recommend to our listeners that they don't listen to these because they're absolutely terrible. Orange Colored Sky was just not good. I mean, it was worse than Nails on Chalkboard. Yeah. And the the Boy Wonder thing that's like a spoken word, it's him reading fan mail about how great he is. It's like tongue in cheek. I thought it was kind of funny. Mm. It's, it's, you know what? 
There was a lot of novelty songs in the 60s. That's, that's true. That's there, what was There's there. a lot of novelty records in the 60s. Yes. And this was one of them. So don't listen to Burt Ward's cover of Orange Colored Sky, but definitely look up Adam West's cover and also Linda Carter's cover from The Muppet Show. Both... <laughs> Very, very good versions of Orange Colored Sky. I was actually surprised at how good Adam West was. Oh, I was. And in, I knew he was In the Orange Colored Sky. He's a triple threat. <laughs> Maybe. I've never seen him dance. He, he doesn't dance. Actually, no. He, he does the... He does, does the Batusi, yeah. The Batusi. Uh, and another really lovely thing is that uh, Burt Ward and Adam West remained close friends up until Adam West's death in 2017. That's great. You know? Yeah. And, and I think it's great that they did those animated movies where Burt Ward and Adam West got to play Batman and Robin, you know, a final time before yeah. Adam's passing. It was really lovely. Uh, so Brenton Thwaites, I think that's how you pronounce it, he plays Dick Grayson on Titans on HBO Max. And uh, I only watched the first season, but it's definitely not my favorite version of Dick Grayson. Uh, the show ages him up so that he can be both sexy and fatherly. And there's like... Nothing fun about the character. He's just really like angsty and kind of humorless, just sort of like the rest of the show. Yeah. It, it just takes everything that you know and love about Dick Grayson and throws it out the window to be like, nah, she's another cop drama, but this time with superheroes. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he would be so angsty because he's usually the one that's kind of upbeat when the other Robins are the ones that are looking for guidance. Mm -hmm. Like he's the one that needs to be like, you know, listen, things aren't as bad things can get tough but you know you need to, you, you can power through it and yeah. and you know things will turn out all right in the end and and that's like kind of how he is for rachel who's raven in the titan show but i don't know just in this way that's like not supportive and like every other episode he's basically being like i'm i'm here for you we're gonna stick together and then he just like dumps her at somebody else's house <laughs> and he's like i'm leaving i don't i don't want to deal with this <laughs> it's very weird uh so while Chris O'Donnell's Dick Grayson didn't appear until Batman Forever, Tim Burton did consider adding Dick Grayson into the story. Uh, one of the DVD features of Batman 89 is an animated storyboard sequence showing the Grayson's parents being murdered by the Joker. And this animation actually features the vocal talents of both Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. We should watch that. I, I would love to. That's what I was going, oh, when I did my research and you were like, what? And I was like, you'll find out. That's pretty cool. And, and I know for sure that we're going to see Robin in that Batman 89 comic series. Mm -hmm. They confirmed that, mm -hmm. that the, the comic series that they're putting out this summer that is written by the screenwriter of the original Batman mm -hmm. uh, 89 movie is going to have Robin. In it. Mm -hmm. They also considered casting like a young Kiefer Sutherland as yeah, Robin. I remember <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, but Burton ultimately cut Robin from the story because he felt it wasn't really important to the story they were telling, which yeah, I can see. Yeah, a, I mean, it's a it, tight narrative. Yeah, the movie doesn't miss anything without him. Although, if Burton had continued to make movies, it would have made sense to add Robin in. Yeah. Um, in Batman Returns, Marlon Wayans was meant to play Robin as a tech-savvy street kid who would help Batman take on the Penguin. Uh, and obviously this was also cut. His name actually in the script was just Robin. It mm. wasn't like Dick Grayson or anything. Well, the tech-savvy thing makes me think that they were going for more of a Tim Drake angle. Because, I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah, Tim Drake is, is more of a tech-savvy. And he would have been the Robin in the comics at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
would have been interesting though <laughs> that movie's already packed with people though yeah that's true <laughs> that's the thing about superhero movies don't cut a second of catwoman to show me any robin <laughs> The the thing that I was saying about superhero movies is like the thing the the lesson that they don't learn is that the more villains and characters that you throw in, the worse the movie is going to be. Yeah. Like the worst Batman movies are the ones that have the most villains in them. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. By the time yeah, Dark Knight Rises has has what? It has Bane, it has Talia Ghoul, and isn't there someone else that's also like a minor villain? Scarecrow's in for a second. Is he? It's mostly it's mostly Bane. Yeah, but like by the time Catwoman, I guess you can count Catwoman. By the time they got to Batman and Robin in like the '90s movies, they had Bane, Poison Poison Ivy, Ivy, Freeze, Freeze, and they're also in that same movie introducing Batgirl. Like, (laughs) there's way too many characters to keep track of. Yeah, Spider-Man Three. Yeah, Sandman, Venom. That's it. Yeah, but still, like, why add so many characters? Because people like to see villains. So make more. If they ever make a Sinister Six movie, I will honestly make just die. more movies. Just, just take that villain and make a make just one movie with the one villain, and then make another movie next next year with a different villain or a TV series. Exactly, exactly. And comics work better that way. But like a good one, not Titans. <laughs> I really don't like Titans. Okay. Who, okay. Who is next on your portrayals, well, live action portrayals? I didn't want to skip over Chris O'Donnell, but I have no opinions on him because I actively have avoided watching the movies that he's in. Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. Yeah. Do you have any opinions on Chris O'Donnell and his I, bat butt? <laughs> I think I think he captures the Dick Grayson energy fairly well. I mean. The thing that Joel Schumacher was going for was the campiness of the 60s television series. Mm-hmm. He just made the mistake of using the backdrop of the darkness of the Burton movies also. And like it was so it, it didn't end up being as wink wink nudge nudge self uh self-referential, self-aware as the 66 TV series was, it kind of felt like it was taking itself seriously and every single line is just laughable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he didn't do a bad job. Mm. I think he did the best he could with the script he was given. Okay, fair. Uh, we're not going to talk about Joseph Gordon-Levitt because he doesn't play Dick Grayson. <laughs> and in my research, I came across this horrible quote from The Dark Knight Rises writer Jonathan Nolan who said the character's name, John, Robin John Blake, was a, quote, wink to audiences. To which I say, not a wink, more like an air horn to my face. And that scene, I will never get out of my mind. Where he goes to the records lady and she's like, you should use your real name. It's Robin. It's pretty. And he's like, yeah. And then he looks right at the camera and winks. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. <laughs> It is a really dumb scene. And, and like you said, it's not a wink because if it was a wink, it would have been, you should use your real name, Richard or Dick or whatever, you know, like, or yeah, you had a good, a good version of it's like, oh yeah, you should, why don't you go by your real name, Richard? Oh, people could call me Dick. (laughs) That would have been, that would have been funny. That would have fit right into the, the Nolan universe and it would have been a nice little nod. But no, the fact that they were all, it's Robin, you guys should remember. Hey, Robin over here. <laughs> it's Robin, everybody. It's uh, 
Yeah, no. so jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt was bah, 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 Robin, bah, 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 bah. So- sort of Robin, but not really, and that movie is bad. It's bad. Uh, anyway, uh, animation lightning round. Who do we like better, Young Justice Dick or Teen Titans Dick? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Both of them, are, and I'm not talking about Teen Titans Go, just regular Teen Titans. Both of those shows have amazing storytelling, mm-hmm. at least in like the earlier seasons for Young Justice. Uh, and I really, really, really enjoy Robin's entire story arc throughout both Young Justice and through Teen Titans and his like mm-hmm. weird little like betrayals and his like obsession with Slade and Titans and the way he's like, I'm just trying to hold this team together as he like <laughs> grows throughout like 10 years on Young Justice. It's so good. Yeah, the fact that Young Justice d- does the time skips means that we get to see different facets of him as he grows up. So I think that that, but that has nothing to do with his performance. That's just sort of like a, um, a plus to the storytelling techniques that they use in Young Justice. That's true, yeah. Um, but So yeah, who do you like better? Who do I like? That's a, that's a great question. That's like asking which of your kids you like better. Because mm. they're both really good performances, I Kenny. think. And they <laughs> Kenny's the kid I like better. Our, our cat? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so tough. Because, like, they're both trying to do different things. And I think both of them do a great job at what they're trying to do. Mm. I think I'm going to go with Young Justice on okay. this one. Only because I think that Young Justice Robin is funnier than Teen Titans Robin. And I think most of that is because Beast Boy in the Teen Titans television show is like the comic relief. And so Robin, most of the time, is playing straight man in that. (laughs) It's true. Whereas in Young Justice, everybody sort of gets quippy lines. Mm -hmm. Especially Robin with his... what is that? It's like, you know, uh, why is everyone's either overwhelmed or underwhelmed. Nobody's ever just whelmed. Nobody's ever just whelmed. (laughs) I love that that becomes like a thing throughout the whole show that that like they have their own like lingo that they create exactly and it 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 fits perfectly with like yeah you've known these people for years and we've worked alongside them of course you're going to develop your own like in jokes you know stay whelmed everyone i love it i want to go back and rewatch young justice it's so good Oh, I want season four. Okay, was that the animation lightning round? That's the uh, end of that's that? the animation lightning round. Uh, the best DC animated universe dick is Neil Patrick Harris in Under the Red Hood, and I will not be taking questions at this time. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a gajillion. Or comics. Yeah. Or comments, I mean. There's a lot of different guys who play Dick Grayson in the animated universe. I don't really feel like going through all of them, yeah. but Under the Red Hood is my favorite movie, and I just like that it's Neil Patrick Harris. I think that's really cool. <laughs> He did a great job. And also, the artist who drew uh, Dick in that kind of made his hair look like Neil Patrick Harris's hair. It's not really? like It's not like spiky like he usually is. It's like short cropped. Interesting. But, and black. But, yeah. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, I liked him in the DC animated universe in, in like, the Batman television series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that that was a good performance um, I, in New Batman Adventures and all that sort of stuff. I think, you know, all around. I don't think I've ever seen something where I went, oh, that's a bad Robin. Like, I don't think anybody's ever turned me off as, like, a Robin. In the animated universe. Yeah, in the animated universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All offense, Chris O'Donnell. (laughs) 
Uh, and uh, Michael Sarah, very funny as Dick Grayson in the Lego Batman movie. Yes, yeah. And my favorite line from that, which I wanted to share when you said you were going to talk about the Lego Batman movie, there's a scene where he's standing next to Batman, or he's he's like, "Oh, hey, Batman, I'm I'm an orphan," and he goes, "My name is Richard, but the kids at the orphanage call me Dick." And Batman goes, "Yes, children can be cruel." <laughs> Uh, you didn't talk about your Superman thing. What Superman thing? What, which one the, are you talking about? The panel that you were looking at from that Tumblr you were reading all about Superman and Nightwing when they're in the park. You don't remember this? Oh! Okay. <laughs> okay, yes. Now I remember. Yes. So there is a panel where Dick Grayson is meeting with Superman and they're discussing it like some sort of case or something. And they're in a park at nighttime. And Dick Grayson is, in classic Dick Grayson fashion, perched up upon, like, a stone wall. And Superman is talking to him. And a security guard for the park sort of walks up on them, flashes his flashlight in their their direction. And uh, Superman goes, good evening, officer. And the officer (laughs) goes, oh, goodness, Superman and Nightwing. I I didn't know you guys were here. I I guess the, the park is a lot safer with the two of you around. And Superman... Uh, in classic Superman fashion goes with the three of us. Like, he he brings that night, night watch guard right into their group. He's a hero, too. He is a hero, too. And I and then, it. you know, the, the guard asks for Superman's picture. And Superman's like, yeah, sure, of course. And, and Dick Grayson just takes that camera and takes the picture. Doesn't say, like, you know, hey, why don't you want a picture with me? Mm-hmm. He, j- you know, just right up is, is like, sure, yeah, I'll take the picture for you. Let's, uh, Superman lets the security guard do, like, this thing where he puts his fist under his chin. It looks like he's knocking Superman out. <laughs> and then they, you know, they part ways. Superman flies off. He gives the officer a salute as he leaves. It's so cute and it's so perfect. And I was like, this is the reason why I love Superman as a character is because he's just incredibly respected, respectful. He's a, a great human being through and through. There's like no way that you can criticize him. He's he's just so good, and and he he works really hard to be so good. <laughs> yeah, if he wanted to, he could destroy the world with like one punch. Yeah. yeah. So uh, on that positive note, uh, you know, we'll we'll make a Superman podcast when Josh lets me make a Wishbone podcast. <laughs> so watch out for those. We've been the Batmates for this podcast. If you want to reach us, you can reach us at batmatespodcast at gmail.com. That is batmatespodcast, no space, no period or anything, just batmatespodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at batmates. And yeah, we will see you next time. Have fun, everybody. Next time we're going to go over a different Robin. Yeah, hatch your eggs. Yeah, like like Robins, birds. I guess. They have eggs. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, hatch your eggs. (laughs)